0: Good to have all of you with us. Good to have those who are visiting with us this morning. We appreciate your being here. I'm going to go ahead and pull this slide up and give you just a little bit of this introduction slide before we get right into this. Keeping it real, 1 John chapter 2 verses 3 through 6. Actually, that's not where we're going to start. We'll be going there in a minute. We'll take a look at chapter 1. We'll take a look at chapter 2. And then we'll take a look at chapter 3. Here's the thought behind this. In the first century, Christianity was new. So how do you know then who's a Christian? Well, we're going to take a look at these three points, that God is light, walk like Jesus, and do what is right. And I think as we give consideration to that, you'll come to understand the points that John is making about how they would identify those who are Christians in the first century. But I want to give you this sort of little illustration from my own life. Uh, as we get into our lesson this morning. A number of years ago, for those who didn't know, I didn't always preach for a living. I worked for General Motors for a number of years. Danny and I knew each other there, right, Danny? Yes. And uh, on one occasion, I had gone to either a garage sale or a thrift store, I forget which it was, and there was an old Bible lay- laying there. I liked the translation. It was a little bit kind of rough looking, and but it was very inexpensive and I thought, you know what, I can carry that back and forth to work with me. I can have it in my vehicle whatever and if I happen to lose it, misplace it, no big deal. No financial real investment in it. No sentimental value like somebody had given it to me like my wife gave me a Bible here recently for my birthday. So if I happen to misplace it, no big deal but one day I was carrying it and this lady saw me and she said, wow, that Bible is really warm. You must read it a lot. (laughs) Well, that kind of pricked my conscience a little bit, and I had to confess. I said, well, I bought this, and it was already used. And she looked at me, and she said, oh. (laughs) It, It was almost like I had deceived her. I was waiting for her to say, I don't like you. (laughs) The point of that is just simply this. Things aren't always as they appear. So as you think about how do you identify a Christian, or how do you identify if someone is a real Christian? You know, nowadays in society, oftentimes you may see bumper stickers, right? indicating that a person is a Christian. You may see somebody carrying a Bible indicating that maybe they are a Christian. (coughs) You may see a person wearing a certain piece of jewelry that indicates that they are a Christian. But how do you know if they're a real Christian? Because lots of people have bumper stickers. Lots of people carry Bibles. Lots of people wear jewelry or T-shirts. And you sometimes wonder, but are they a real Christian? Well, that same question existed in the first century. So how were you going to identify? You didn't have many donkey cards that had a sticker on the back that said, Honk if you love Jesus. So how are you supposed to identify who's a Christian and who isn't? First century Christianity is new. Identifying a Christian and that concept is new. Well, what I want to suggest to you is John addresses that concept in this letter. It's been close to 60 years since Jesus died on the cross. He's no longer walking the area of Galilee and having those follow after Him. And they say, oh, well, those are Christ followers. Because Jesus is gone. And they're scattered. And the apostles, for the most part, are all gone. John is still with us. The truth is still with us. And so John is going to point out then, this is the way. You identify whether or not a person is a real Christian. And what John is going to point out is what do they believe? How do they live? And who do they love? That's the way to identify a Christian. So I want you to kind of put these categories in mind it's doctrinal, it's ethical. And it's relational. And the doctrinal and ethical part of that is what sustains the relational part of that. So keep that in mind as we give consideration to this this morning. First point is, God is light. So now I want us to back up because we're going to look at 1 John chapter 1, then chapter 2, and then chapter 3. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. This is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin. Now the point I want you to notice about that is this. The first point John is really making is ethical. Now, I know as Christians and in talking to others, oftentimes, where do we start? Do we start with the ethical issue or do we start with the doctrinal issue? Well, most oftentimes, we probably start with the doctrinal point, don't we? And so we think about passages like 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse 23, where you have been born again, Not of seed which is perishable, but that which is imperishable. And that seed, we know, is the Word of God. Because Jesus explains that for us in Luke the 8th chapter. He says, and the seed, as He's talking about the sower, and the seed is the Word of God. So we think about the Word of God being planted in a person's heart. And if it's allowed to grow and take root, then it produces, bears fruit, and what comes forth? A Christian. And so a lot of times, that's where we start. But I want to add this to it. Romans, the sixth chapter. And about verses 17 and 18. The Apostle Paul says, That though you were formerly slaves of sin, Thanks be to God that you became obedient from the heart to that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been made free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. What did Paul just say? He said you became obedient from the heart to that form of doctrine, of teaching. Now, the point I make from that is this. Years ago, when we were having our house built, I remember being there on one occasion where the house was pretty well all constructed. (laughs) And they were going to make a sidewalk that went from the front porch out to the driveway. And I stood there and watched this. They made this form. And then once they got that all set up, then they poured concrete in there. And they made that sidewalk. That's the same idea. That's the same word that Paul is using there. You became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were delivered. And so the Scripture teaches us through faith and repentance and confession and in baptism, a person becomes a Christian it's that form of teaching that was delivered and you followed that and that's how you became a child of God so now here's the question why does John begin with ethical instead of doctrinal and the point is this just simply a reminder Who's John writing to? He's writing to those who are already Christians. So I don't need to convince you about how to become a Christian. I'm going to convince you about how to live as a Christian. That's why he starts with ethical. And he's talking about walking, them as Christians, walking in the life. Them having fellowship with God and with one another. As we've talked about a series of lessons from 1 John. One of the things that we have mentioned is John's intent for these believers to go deeper in their faith. And that's what John's suggesting now. What made you a Christian and that now you're a Christian You need to follow up, go deeper with that. And this is the way to do that. He wants them to walk in the light. We talked about 3 John a couple of weeks ago in class. And when John wrote to Gaius, he rejoiced in the fact that he had heard that Gaius was walking in the truth. So John is saying, not only did you become a Christian, John now rejoices that he hears Gaius' is walking in the truth. He's following that. And when John uses that word walk, it's used in reference to everyday life. And what John is suggesting is, this makes a difference in the way he lived. It makes a difference in the way you think. It makes a difference in the way you act. It makes a difference in the way in which you treat other people. And so John talks about light, and he talks about darkness. Are you walking in the light, or are you walking in darkness? So what John is suggesting is, in this walk, are you making progress? And the reason why I make that point is this: is because sometimes people talk about going deeper in their faith. Now watch this suit. Sometimes people will say, well, if we want to go a little deeper, we need to study Revelation, don't we? <laughs> Isn't that what we need to do? <clears throat> or you know what? If we're really going to go deep, we need to have a whole lot of lessons where you tell us about a whole lot of Greek words. Now we're getting deep. Isn't that what I like? I want to share something with you. People talk about going deep, but I think it's funny. Nobody has ever said to me, I really want to go deep. So I think what we ought to do is we ought to have a verse-by-verse study of the book of Leviticus. (laughs) Then we'll get deep. Well, you know what? I want you to think about that. Because you know what Leviticus deals with? Leviticus deals with holiness. The holiness of God. And the holiness of God's people. And God saying... I am holy, therefore you shall be holy. You know what else Leviticus deals with? Leviticus deals extensively with sacrifice. Sacrifice. And sacrifice is foundational, fundamental, to God and His people and the relationship that we have with Him and how it's made possible that we can have a relationship with Him. You know what else Leviticus deals with? Leviticus deals with atonement. That's the reconciliation between God and and His people. It's the shedding of sacrificial blood that's substitutionary for our blood, for shedding our life. And God shows how, through sacrifice, His people can be declared clean And pure. Holy. You know what else Leviticus deals with? One more point. Leviticus 16. Tells us about the day of atonement. That annual day. Most all the other feast days throughout the year are celebratory. The day of atonement is a day for fasting. It is a day for mourning. It is that day when the high priest will enter into the Holy of Holies. And he will offer blood first for himself and then for the nation. And you know what else happens on the Day of Atonement? There will be two goats that will be brought to the high priest. And one of those goats will be sacrificed and that blood will be taken in and it will be poured upon the altar. But the other goat, that's what they refer to as the scapegoat. and the high priest and the nation will be gathered and they will watch and he will lay his hands on the head of that goat and he will confess the nation's sins and then there will be one person who has been chosen to take that goat and to lead it away into the wilderness. And the nation will watch. And it'll leave the tabernacle, it'll leave the temple, it'll leave the camp, it'll leave the city. And then they will go off towards the wilderness. And the nation doesn't want that goat to ever return. So I want you to think about that. And as you watch that figure and as they turn and as they are being led out of the camp, as they are being led out of the city and out towards the wilderness and you watch as that figure, as that silhouette starts to fade into the distance and it gets smaller and it gets smaller until eventually You can't see it anymore. And the psalmist says, as far as the east is from the west, I have removed your sins from you. You want to go deep spend a little time in Leviticus so John doesn't start doctrinally but John doesn't start with bumper stickers or t-shirts or jewelry John starts with first John 1 and 5-7, through seven. this is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you. That God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, cleanses us from all sin. You know what John's saying? John's saying, you want to go deep? Stop sinning. That's what he's saying. But secondly, walk like Jesus walked. Now, John, chapter 2, verse 3 through 6. Now, by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk as Jesus walked. I reference light in chapter 1. In Scripture, oftentimes when the word light is used, it refers to truth, it refers to purity, it refers to holiness. But here's sort of the challenge in that day and time there was the philosophers and the false teachers that would also use that word light. And one of the ways in which they would use that word light as a metaphor is to refer to kind of that higher knowledge. That higher self-awareness. If you have light Like they had it. If you've been enlightened, then you would have this knowledge that they have. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, well, well, well. (laughs) Didn't we just find a modern day application? (laughs) Have you heard of the woke folks? (laughs) If you were woke like I'm woke, then you would be enlightened like I'm enlightened. But what happened in that day and time, much like what's happening today, it's, it's the truth being twisted. And so they were doing, even as we talked in class this morning, using that higher knowledge and saying that your fleshly life didn't really matter. And in the second century, it was full-blown Gnosticism which just means to know. And as a result of it, they were teaching that what you did with your body didn't really matter. But John wants them to see it does matter. And it matters in your life. And see, today... There's kind of a little different twist on this. The focus is on social justice. Equity. That's what we really ought to be focused on. Not individuals' lives and how we live, but just this sort of social justice. And as far as religion is concerned or worship is concerned, as long as you're just sincere and you have this heartfelt sort of worship, then that's, that's all that's necessary. So I'll just remind us all of this God is the God of social justice. Jesus said it a long time ago in Matthew, the seventh chapter, and verse 12 Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. In Matthew, the 22nd chapter, in verse 39, when Jesus gave the second greatest commandment, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. So God's the God of social justice. So we should listen to him in how that we should have social justice. Not these sort of modern day woke warriors. God is also the God of worship. John 4 and verse 24. He is spirit and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. And in Matthew 15, He said, These people honor Me with their lips, but their hearts are far from Me, teaching as doctrine. Not His doctrine, but the commandments of men. God's the God of worship. And He's the one we worship. And God is the one whom we'll give account to, not these social warriors, so to speak. Second Corinthians 5 and verse 10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for the things which we've done in the body, whether they be good or bad. God's the God of social justice. God's the God of worship. God's the God of accountability. And walking in light as Jesus and Paul points out, is more than just lip service to that. And so John says we should walk in the light. Because God isn't light just because of knowledge. And God isn't light just because He's spiritual. God is that But God is whole. In 1 John 1 and verse 6 he says, If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So what John is saying is truth has got to be applied. So let me give you kind of a list of truths where we understand we know it's got to be applied. I'll just use one from everyday life. Seat belts save lives. Is that a truth? But in order for that to work, you've got to click it, right? Well, it's the same thing spiritually. Truth. Men and women are created in the image of God. That's why they deserve dignity and respect. And God's Word said that from the beginning. Truth. Our bodies are to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. The application of the question is, does He feel at home living in our body? Truth. Everything that we have, including our lives, our bodies, and everything that we own, possess, is from God. Application? We're just stewards of it. (laughs) He's put us in charge for a little while. And we have to ask ourselves, what are we doing? So John's point is, real Christianity, a real Christian, Christian, doesn't just know truth, but they do truth. And so John will begin chapter 2 and verse 1. He says, I write these things to you so that you may not sin. Verse 3, by this we know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. So John uses words like "know," and he uses words like truth. And what he's saying is these are the things that will lead you deeper into relationship with Jesus Christ. <clears throat> So John wants us to understand, if someone says they're a Christian, now watch it. If someone says they're a Christian and then they don't do, what's John say about that? He says they're a liar. Now we read that, and we think, whoa, that's harsh. So why does John use such strong language? Because John is serious. That's why. And John is talking about eternal life. And he's talking about eternity. And what John wants us to understand is what you do determines where you spend eternity. So that's why he uses that strong language. Matthew 7 and verse 21, right? We quote this passage a lot. Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. So Jesus is saying there's those who do and there are those who don't. And that's what John said. So third point. Do what is right. Take a notice, first John chapter three, and verses seven through ten. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. For in this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. In John's letter, what you notice is he draws some distinct lines, doesn't he? He draws lines of demarcation. Either you are on this side or you are on that side. There's no straddling of the fence here. Either you're in light or you're in darkness. Either you're living the truth or you're living a lie. Either you're a child of God or you're a child of the devil. So John gives these signs. And that's why I titled this lesson, Keep It Real. Because that's what John's saying. But John says in verse 6 that talking about Christians that they do not sin but John is not talking about perfection because in John chapter 1 he's already told us that if we say that we have no sin that the truth is not in us and John will go on to say what we should do with our sins as Christians is to confess our sins and the blood of his son will cleanse us from all unrighteousness So what John, the point he's making here in chapter 3 is a person who is a Christian that his seed abides in us they don't go on sinning. They're striving to live according to God's word. And the more that we grow in our faith the more we walk in the light. The more it shows up in a person's life. That's what John's saying. So I'm going to give you this illustration. Now this is your homemade slides, right? (laughs) But I think it'll help us to kind of see, and that's where we'll kind of wrap this lesson up today. We'll talk about doctrinal, and we'll talk about ethical. And John wants us to recognize that And he wants us to make application of it in our lives. So here's the first one. Oftentimes, when we think about a person making progress doctrinally, we're thinking about them growing in knowledge. So on this end of the scale, I put no God. (laughs) Because sometimes people do not have God in their lives. On the other uh, end, I put know God. We're coming to know Him better and better. But along this line, as we are traveling doctrinally, maybe we come to believe there is a God. And He made me. And I travel a little further and I come to understand that sin is not living up to God's standard for me. Romans 3 and verse 23, and Paul says we all sin and fall short. And that sin means transgression of His law. It's a missing of the mark. And maybe I come to understand I've missed the mark in my life. And sin causes separation between me and God. But I'm taught about Jesus Christ and how those sins can be forgiven and I come to believe in him confess him repent and be buried with him in baptism where those sins are washed away just like we talked earlier as far as the east is from the west those sins are removed and that slate is wiped clean And I come forth from that watery grave of baptism, a new creature in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. And I start clean. And John tells me if I sin, then what I'm supposed to do with that sin is to confess it and the blood of His Son will continue to cleanse me. But I'm growing, I'm learning how to live. And that's what John is writing about. How Christians live and apply His Word. Walk in the light. And we come to know more and more about God. But I believe John also suggests that this one line doesn't make the full application. So there's another line. This is the ethical line. And down here, a person is in sin. John would say darkness. But as they move up that ethical line, they're moving towards light. And they're moving towards holiness. And in the same sense, it's a learning, it's a growing, it's being conformed into his image. It is, as Paul suggests over in Colossians, the third chapter, it is that putting off of the old man and it is the putting on of the new man. But I want to give you just a couple of quick references to the Sermon on the Mount that I think will help us to understand that ethical growth and development of a Christian. In Matthew, the fifth chapter, in about verse 27, Jesus said, You have heard it said, That thou shall not commit adultery. That was in law. There's the fact. But Jesus doesn't want to just leave it there. He wants us to grow. And so he says, But I say unto you, If a man looketh on a woman to lust after her, He's already committed adultery with her in his heart. See what Jesus is saying? I want you to grow. I want you to grow spiritually. I want you to come to understand how this works. Avoid adultery. Stop it where it starts. It starts in the heart. In Matthew the 5th chapter in verse 21 he will say, you have heard it said of old thou shalt not murder. Don't commit murder. But he goes on to say, but I say unto you anyone that looks on their that is angry with their brother is in danger of the judgment. What's Jesus saying? He's saying in the heart. That's where it starts. It's not just the simple outward act but it starts in the heart and that's what he wants to get to it's moving from darkness to light, it's moving from sin to holiness it's being conformed into his image when Jesus says that's in the Sermon on the Mount so, when Jesus gets to that passage that we oftentimes quote in Matthew 7 and verse 21 Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father which is in heaven. He has talked doctrinally and he has talked ethically. That's doing the will of God. According to John. We should be able to find ourselves somewhere on this grid. We may be at different places. But we ought to be on it. We ought to be growing doctrinally. We ought to be growing ethically. Moving more towards being like Him. So John helps us keep it real and so we have to ask ourselves where are you spiritually and what direction are you moving sometimes people can grow doctrinally without growing ethically sometimes people start to grow ethically and realize how they should be living their lives but they're lacking in really growing doctrine. So John wants us to know information is important, but information leads to transformation. That's what John said. So John talks about the fact that God is light, and He encourages us to walk like Jesus and do what is right. That's keeping it real. It's not bumper stickers. It's not t-shirts. It's knowing and applying. That's what John was talking about. I'm going to extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here. If we can help you in any way, make your life right with God, let us know while together we stand and while we sing. <coughs>